0: Hi, this is Colin McAllen. Thank you for listening. Please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you.
1: Welcome to Is This Legal? Here are your hosts, Attorneys Colin McAllen and Russell
0: Hebbins. Hi, everyone. and Welcome back for another episode of Is This Legal? My name's Colin McAllen, and I'm joined, as always, with my partner, Russell Hebbets. Good morning, good evening, anyone out there. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great, having a great day. Good, me too. Well, uh, it's always a good day when we're recording this podcast. Uh, Speaking of this podcast, we're going to do a case update for you. Um, On episode 56 of this podcast, we covered the very disturbing arrest of Karen Gardner, at the hands of the Loveland Police Department here in Colorado. Uh, Briefly recapping, Karen is a 73-year-old woman with dementia who was investigated for a shoplifting infraction in Walmart. Pursuant to that investigation, members of the Loveland Police Department violently took her down to the ground uh, and eventually broke her arm while pinning her against a police cruiser. Um, We discussed this case thoroughly. In episode 56, which is titled, When Does Resisting Arrest Become Resisting Arrest? And you'd be well served to listen to that episode before this one because we go into a lot more detail about what happened in this case. A lot of people tuned into that episode. And this is very exciting today, Russ. We're going to do uh, not only a case update on the Karen Garner case, but we also have a special guest, Sarah Shelkey, who is Karen Garner's attorney, is going to join us to discuss her handling of the case which she just settled with the city of Loveland for $3 million. Yeah. Well, before we get into that, before we get into our guest piece with
2: Sarah, let's kind of talk about what we know now that we didn't know then. Because when we put out our original Karen Gardner podcast, we didn't know whether or not there were going to be criminal charges against right. the police officers. We had no idea. The lawsuit had been filed, but we had no idea if it had legs, if it was going to go anywhere, whether the city would take responsibility, whether... It, we we knew very little at that point other than all the news of this this really heinous takedown broke and Sarah had... Put out this video, and actually, for anyone out there, if you're on YouTube, go ahead and Google Karen Garner, and you can see the video that Sarah Shelke put out that just kind of briefly recaps everything that happened
0: in a very visual space that's that's really in your face, right right. from the from the body cams of the officers who were involved, right. So it's it's basically a firsthand account uh, that you can see with what happened. And, you know, since, uh, since our podcast first aired, this case has gotten a lot more media attention. Uh, it, it went nationally viral. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about this. So, um, you know, we wanted to bring you up to speed, listener, uh, as to what happened here. So, right now,
2: we'll assume that everyone has listened to our old episode, has all the background. And without further ado, let's get to our interview with Sarah Schalke. Today, we're joined by our good friend and powerhouse ho- lawyer, Sarah Shelkey. We got to know Sarah several years ago, and it quickly became apparent that she was a force to be reckoned with in the legal world. Sarah's latest claim to fame is as the badass attorney who brought Loveland PD to justice after their assault on Karen Gardner. Sarah has been featured in The New York Times, The Washington Post, Writers and CNN, and most recently, she put a charity ransom on the Loveland police chief's job. Sarah, welcome to Is This Legal? <laughs>
1: Thank you for having me, Russell and Colin. <laughs> it's a pleasure.
2: We we are we are excited, Sarah. Absolutely. Um, so 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 let's talk, Sarah. We previously did an episode on this case, and Colin mentioned it previously, it's episode 56, and we discussed Karen Gardner and what happened to her. First, can you tell our listeners, like, how is Karen doing now, physically, mentally, with with this trauma?
1: Well, so Karen uh, has dementia and did have to go into a long-term memory care facility um, with round-the-clock care right after this. Um, it really just was not safe to keep her anywhere and the difficulty too with another condition she has called sensory aphasia is that it makes it very difficult for her to communicate or understand a lot of communication so um the incident with the assault on her and the denied medical care and all of that functionally would can never really be explained and that the trauma associated with it never really processed and so what we have seen over the past year has been a pretty sad and 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 painful, precipitous decline for her, and she, you know, is really not in her health. And and what her family has described is that, you know, who she was, even with like the dementia at the time this happened um, that day, and that was kind of gone. Like that, that Karen that they knew, you know, Nana disappeared, and she's become a lot more, um, you know, distrusting and reclusive, and. Um, not the same happy person that she was. And and understandably, you know, something that terrible happens to you and um, without having any kind of ability to support or process it, uh, it, it's just unfortunate. So, you know, she's still with us and there's some good days and some bad days, but overall, you know, um, her life has forever changed.
0: Sarah, uh, if you could take us back to when did you first hear the name Karen Garner? And, you know, can you tell our listeners how you first got
1: involved in this case? Well, the um, the fun thing uh, about the, the 1983 doing the federal civil rights lawsuits is when you have like one big one, it kind of creates, uh, you know, enough attention or just it gets enough headlines that are phones start ringing with more of them, you know, each one dovetails into another one. And um, in this case, I had done Preston Sowell's lawsuit, and that that was another Loveland Police Department lawsuit where um, he had just been a good Samaritan who uh, didn't want to talk with a police officer who arrived, and uh, that was an affront to this officer's, you know, dignity that he wasn't going to uh, put up with, and so he ended up tackling him and, and in the course of arresting him dislocated and broke his shoulder and he had to have complete shoulder replacement surgery. Um, All different Loveland officers, mind you, but uh, nonetheless. So we had, I think, just announced that just the case and I'd released the video and Loveland was getting a lot of blowback um, publicly and online for that, you know, patently unlawful um, illegal arrest. And four days after I had filed that law- lawsuit. I mean, it just kind of shows you too how truly unaccountable this police department is. It's like they're dealing with their phones ringing nonstop, people yelling at them about that case. Four days af- after that is when they did this to Karen. Um, these other officers did, and Karen's family like went to get their mother from the hospital, and. And, you know, we're told, oh, she resisted arrest. She committed theft. She did all this stuff. And it's like this woman, I think in her whole life, got one speeding ticket. You know, like that's like it was right. completely out of character. And so there was just red flags left and right. And they called me up and they said, listen, our mother has dementia. The some, the police did something to her, right? Like her arm is messed up. And they're saying she committed all these crimes that she never would would have committed. And um, And, of course, their primary worry was that. She was going to be like sent to jail or something. You know, this is a family that doesn't have like a lot of sophistication in the criminal justice world. And all of a sudden they've got, you know, they're dealing with the crisis and the grief of just having an, a, a loved one, um, you know, this disease and now criminal charges. And so they said, this doesn't look right. Can you help us with it? And I was like, um, yeah, I'm going to get the videos. Um, we'll take a look at it and see if we have a civil suit. First things first is, Get me the uh dementia diagnosis um, so I can show that to the district attorney and just be like, I mean, this is uh let alone not not crimes being committed, like it's going to be competency issues as well. And so um they did that. And then the other, you know, key thing I did then is because Karen can't speak for herself. And I know that they have these uh surveillance videos rolling um inside of the the police departments and so in in a situation where a lot of times with the DUIs you know somebody's um if I think there might be helpful stuff of what was going on in there in terms of showing they were impaired I'll make sure to request it and so I had the same idea here it's just like every second of Karen's journey that night um if I can find a camera somewhere I just want to like conserve all that in case they like you know it is Loveland and Loveland was not You know, looking good on my radar at that point. So I collected all that stuff through the criminal discovery process. We got the criminal charges dismissed, and I looked at the videos and I was just like, Jesus. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So you initially, I mean, you were, you were. The civil case was on your radar this whole time, but you're right. initially were representing her on the shoplifting charges.
1: Right. And the resisting arrest and, uh, right. and obstruction and all the other, <laughs> right. all, that they all the other things there. that they, right. they throw on <laughs> right.
2: in all That's cases right. like this. That's right. right.
1: That's right. Yep. Uh, if you get hurt anywhere by police officer uh, in, in Northern Colorado, you can guarantee you're going to have some obstruction and resisting charges checked on there.
0: Right. Did you get did you get pushback from the DA uh in terms of uh, you know, you were you were obvious you had a lot of evidence to show that things were different than what the police uh said. Did you get uh, blowback from the DA on dumping this case?
1: I so I didn't. And um it was like pretty easy and straightforward, but I also like tried to really fly under the radar with it, um, in terms of like not making a big stink because. Like, again, like, I don't know if anybody's known but, like, I have a little bit of a, a thing going on with that I need to, I would like to reform the Loveland Police Department. I don't think they're a good police department. I think there's a lot of in-cahootsness going on with a lot of members of law enforcement up in this whole northern Colorado area. There's a lot of good old boys club and a lot of, like, really entrenched, uh, you know, corrupt, not accountable behavior. And, um <sighs> My, you know, worry is that if I come in going, you guys, look at this video, what the hell? We were close enough in time to when it had occurred that they would fake an ongoing investigation to pretend that they um had been looking into it all along. And so I just wanted to get all the videos and like go to my like little little corner and like plan with them and just let them just think, oh, it's just a dementia thing, it's no big deal, and um dismiss it and and let things be quiet for a little bit because. Um, I mean it's you just have to be like so I don't know practically like sociopathic at this point to try and like take down the multiple levels they have like that I'm just discovering of of protecting themselves or creating this illusion that they were um you know policing themselves and and, and following policy and following training. there's just it's so much and so I knew we had to wait but we just need to get the criminal case dumped and, you know, not get too crazy about it. But like, even in my exchanges with the DA, she was like, wow, it looked like dementia. And I, I was like, weren't those videos hard to watch? And she was like, yeah, okay, well, I'm just dismissing and that's it, you know? And now of course it's cut to, once we did release the video, that very same district attorney's office now is putting criminal charges on the cops who did what's in the video that they watched, you know, right. like, so- <laughs> exhibit right. a of the so, of the, the
2: the cahoots but in I any mean, event in cahootsness sarah which by the way is yeah. my new favorite
0: word <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love the word cahoots. <laughs> it's, it's a great word but yeah so um it wasn't too much difficulty getting it dismissed and it was kind of hard sitting patiently not unloading the thing but so, so um, you,
0: can you tell us about that, Sarah? Let, let's talk. A, I know that you made a video of uh, kind of showing uh, in stark detail what these officers did using their own body cameras. Uh, can you tell us how, you know, how you created that video and what your intent was with it?
1: Um, I very much like believe strongly you know i think social media sucks for a lot of reasons but it has a couple of good features or you know powerful components that if like harnessed correctly can i think can be great drivers of of important change and um i in working in loveland and really just specializing in duis here and so i just see a lot like a a lot of video especially in the past couple years. this is a, a police department that I can just tell you is a terrible culture and a lot of bad patterns and practices. And, and the issue is, you know, just being one person is, you know, or filing one lawsuit here or there isn't ever going to bring about the change, right? That's just going to be like one case at a time getting a chunk of money from an insurer. And I get to go back to another day at the office. And with the video, I wanted to create something that could, um, tell the story of what happened and still be true to everything that occurred. But, um, you know, I added some like captions explaining things and giving context and then tried to keep it around three minutes. Cause that's really probably the most attention span that anybody has. And, um, you know, highlighting the injuries and showing, uh, you know, just telling the story as quickly as I can. And I, I, my, you know, thought and all this is that, that, gives the video a chance of going viral and being seen by a lot more people and much broader audiences than if I just release a body cam video and tell people what to think about it. You know, most people don't, most people don't want to be told what to think about videos. They want to see them, but they also don't want to watch that long of a video. So I'm trying to, to, to thread, thread the needle there. And, um, then I just unleash it everywhere and get, see what people thought. And, um, you know, I don't have anybody personally affected by dementia, um, in my life. And so that was something I really underestimated. I mean, I, of course I, as a, I have like third party observer or like kind of like great sympathy for it. And it looks like the worst thing to go through, but I haven't gone through it. And so what I really didn't anticipate, um, was how people who have uh, loved ones affected by dementia, how upsetting this video was for them they saw their own mother or grandparent in the video in what was happening to Karen. And um, that that whole community, everybody affected in that way. I mean, we were, our phone was ringing nonstop with a lot of people just calling, like crying and saying like, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to watch. You have to get this police department, you know, how can we help all of that? You know, and that, and it even led to that, uh, yeah, a protest at the, at the love police station of people who were so upset about it. And so that was, you know, um, really amazing to just see and, and hear from, and, and also just heartbreaking as well, uh, learning kind of just as a collateral thing of how de- devastating dementia, um, and Alzheimer's really is for so many people.
2: And I'll tell you, Sarah, like I have, um, I had a uh, great uncle who was very close. It was my grandfather's twin brother who had dementia, who had Alzheimer's. And then right now we have a very close family member. That was so hard to watch, like you said. Literally, the first time I tried watching your video, I had to shut it because yeah. it, 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 it was too hard. It was too yes. difficult to watch. Um, so I I completely hear what you said, what what you're talking about. Um, and you can't underestimate that did Did you approach the city before releasing that video to see if they were open to some sort of settlement?
1: I thought about it and <laughs> um, ultimately, just in my dealings with the city previously, like in other cases, you right. know I'm always like taking notes right of what their judgment appears to be and how um you know, intelligent they are in valuing cases and in valuing what I can do with a case, right? And ultimately I decided not to bring it to them and make, make them an offer, you know, a pre-filing type of offer because I thought there was a 0% chance based on what I know of Loveland and how mismanaged they are, they are and how much they keep underestimating me that they would never pay what it was going to be worth to them for me to not, File that suit and and release that video. And so sometimes people have to learn, you know, the old-fashioned way. And I think Loveland's gonna have to, it seems like Loveland does, doesn't really learn very much. So we may have to keep doing it this way. But there's <clears throat> it's always hard in civil rights stuff because money makes such a big difference and does really restore a lot to to individual clients. But when you do these kind of like, you know, pre-filing, we'll keep it quiet if you just, you know pay what you should pay to not have this thing go public, the community loses out quite a bit because we didn't expose the misconduct and there was no real change that was made. And so in in a sense, it ends up enabling a lot of the problem. And so it was a lot of talking with the family about this. I said, listen, we can go and give them this offer and maybe they'll take it. But um, there's some really horrible stuff on here that, you know, then we got to walk around knowing that we. We basically let them just just pay to to not be held accountable for it. Which um, in the end, you know, the Garden is so fantastic; they are really strong and really courageous. And, and and they said, let's you know, let's do it. Let's make them pay.
0: You know, Sarah, the way I look at this is there are multiple levels of of really bad police action here. I mean, first of all, you have the physical assault uh, that Austin Hop. You know, basically inflicted on Karen Gardner, you know, causing the arm injury, um, taking her to the ground. Then we know that these officers, moments after this happened, are seen on footage that you recovered, joking, laughing about the incident, saying things like, get ready for the pop, referring to uh, the moment where Karen's arm gets broken. And then if that wasn't all bad enough, we also have you know, there's that saying, the cover-up is worse than the crime. We know that this incident was reported up through the chain of command. We know that this didn't stop with the patrol officers. Sarah, I'm curious what you see as is is kind of the most egregious uh, act of police misconduct here, because there's so much to
1: choose from. There is. I... So when I was making my like radio edit video of all the booking video stuff and putting that together. And when I was cutting in on that longer video, I made like the little bits of like hearing them laughing and rewatching the video and then Karen, like in the cell and like alone in there, like that just for me personally, like at one point, like, you know, I get an execution mode of like, I'm doing this video, I'm planning how I'm going to release it. and, And the best way to you know make the biggest impact and make sure as many people as possible get eyes on this and see how bad this is like i like at one point was like hey i should like make sure i'm still uh is like making a good movie right like i'm going to like get out of lawyer mode i'm just going to watch what i've made so far and it was like that juxtaposition of her suffering in the cell 10 feet away while they were rewatching the video and making jokes and um like i i mean i just like i broke down and I was just, um, sobbing, not, you know, not just for Karen, but of course for Karen, but it's like, it's, I'm, I'm, I knew I was looking at a lot more than just, you know, one victim in a cell. Like this is that whole, you know, cacophony of things of, of so little care and so little compassion, um for somebody who's so obviously like in distress and alone and and in need of help so the person they're supposed to be type of person they're supposed to be protecting and seeing this like callous, awful behavior. It's like, I wasn't just looking at one victim of it. I, I, in, in that moment saw so many victims, you know, of, of people who just didn't get an attorney or weren't able to get the video or, you, you know, it was covered up a little bit better type of thing. And, um, that to me, was not it's surprising, right? But um, it kills part of your soul a little bit um, just to see police officers behaving in that way. Um, to see them making—I mean, sure, Austin Hop is clearly like a douche for some of the like you know jokes he's lobbing, right? But like for me, the stuff I hone in on is this is a place where a guy, you know, a, a loser like Austin Hop. It feels pretty confident. He can make a joke like that and it's going to land, right? Like right. he can throw it out there. Nobody's yeah. going to be like, dude, whoa. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Like fist bump, laugh, laugh, laugh. Like, which means like, it's not an isolated incident. It's not yeah. a bad apples thing. It's a whole big, broader thing. And I think that, you know, that comes from a number of places. I think it comes from who's training them and who's what's being modeled, you know, when they, when they come in, um, but I think that the, like, core deep driving piece of it is this, like, foundational, I- iron-clad, like, unwavering belief, and, like, to be fair to them, they're right, that they will never be held accountable for any wrongdoing. And that is, like, the Loveland police way. And, and you can see it in how they review each other's the, the, the complaints, how they help each other, you know, come up with. Nonsense explanations for the use of gratuitous violence. How they, I mean, if you watch what they've been doing, like the police have been lately going to like Loveland City Council meetings and like giving themselves standing ovations, commenting about how great the rest of them are. And it's so, you know, horrible how people aren't supporting them when it was just an Austin hot problem. And it's like, you guys are, I don't know what Kool Aid you were served when you arrived. I don't know why you're still drinking it, but like, I'm going to fight until we take that kool off the menu because this yeah. is bad.
2: Yeah. And that's awesome. So, I mean, what struck me is like they, he didn't even think of it as a problem. Like he, he, it's not like he thought that he screwed up and was trying to cover up something like now clearly from those videos in his mind, he acted appropriately. Right. Yeah. Yep. Which, which is insane.
1: Right. Uh, he acted and it, his, higher up to review the videos. And they say, this was all within policy and reasonable use of Uh, course. uh,
2: Amazing. So, so what's going on now, Sarah, with Hop, Jalali, and and Metzler, who's the sergeant?
1: Um, what's going on with my case or
2: their cases? Well, their cases, their cases last time we settled
1: the civil, right? Yes. We settled the civil with the city for $3 million. Um, congratulations. yeah i think it i i've tried to research it's hard to keep track of all um settlement amounts but i think it is a record-breaking civil rights settlement in a case that is does not have death or permanent disfigurement or like wrongful uh conviction imprisonment for a number of years you know for like a broken bone and um that's you know essentially healed and then the, the trauma associated with it i think it was a historic settlement and we fought really hard to get it. And uh, I knew that, especially when you're talking settlement stuff and there's never going to be admissions of liability on the other side, then the number just needs to be a respectable coda to the legacy of all that happened in this case. And so we got that. And, um, that was a relief, especially just because Karen's just not in great health and you, we want to hopefully get, uh, you know have the proceeds of this available so that she can enjoy some of it during her lifetime. So that's certainly good. Um on the criminal side, Austin Hopper remains criminally charged with some pretty serious uh an F3 class up uh three felony second degree assault on a at risk um elder causing serious bodily injury, attempt to influence a public servant and an official misconduct. Um and that and, and that at that F3 second
2: degree assault is a mandatory prison sentence yeah, if you were convicted yeah. as charged.
1: Right. Yeah. Sorry, go um, ahead. Yep. Um, and then Daria Jalali, the female officer with him, she has been charged with a couple of misdemeanors, I believe, for the failure to report the excessive force under the new Colorado legislation relating to that. And um, you know, a couple other things. Sergeant Metzler. Remains employed by the Nothing. Loveland Police Department. That guy. Wow. <clears throat> I can't. I can't imagine how many bodies he knows, like where they're buried, because for them to be keeping this guy on, because like I am churning out a lot of smoking Metzler guns here in terms of him helping to cover up or to, you know, intimidate people out of complaining, um, to uh, just really paper over a lot of misconduct over a lot of time that he's been there and, um, he, I don't, I just can't imagine what he must know for them to not have fired him yet. Well, let's, not a talk, good guy.
0: About Sarah, let's talk about the uh, tippy top. Let's talk about, uh, the chief of police, Bob Tyser. Um, <clears throat> after your video was released, uh, you know, I watched a press conference of Chief Tyser saying things like, uh, you know, this is not who we are. Uh, this, this conduct this is not this representative. Is not <laughs>
1: the <Loveland police> department. <laughs>
0: exactly. And I, you know, couldn't help but, uh, you know, chuckling, uh, cause you know, I know you, I know some of the cases you've been working on and uh, now I know the Loveland police department, but can you tell us a little bit about, this is really interesting. Um, you, you made, uh, uh you made a public statement about, uh, Bob Tyser and his, uh, I guess, future employment with regard to kind of a a charity ransom. Can you please explain to our listeners (laughs) uh, what you're wanting to do with Mr. Tyser?
1: (laughs) Well, um, so going back to that booking video, when I had the audio enhanced and could hear everything they were saying, um, I was already, I mean, it was about like, we were like 10 days or so into all the craziness that had come from the release of the first video. And You know, I like, I think most people just, you just expect of even vaguely competent leadership that when you have this horrible of, a like you preside over this horrible of an atrocity, like you're either at best asleep at the wheel or like at worst, like probably helped create the conditions or helped, you know, cover it up type of thing. And so it's like, he should have resigned and he didn't. And so I had the booking video and I was about to release it. And I like told my husband that night, I was like, if the chief doesn't resign after I release this video of them with the ready for the pop and like the fist bumping and shit, like he does not resign, like things are so much worse than like even I imagine, right? Like that somebody's not firing or resigning, like a guy who's presiding over all of this, right? Like this whole right. like sick culture. And sure enough, I release it and instead he's just like going on tour you know, making statements that are not going to age well, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, like continuing to dry and like bad apple it and say, I need to, you know, uh, saying stuff like to the effect of like, I just need to, there's, I need to stay here to oversee the investigations into my own incompetence type of stuff. (laughs) Um, And like, so when there's not any reforms in the package for what we did in the settlement, um, you know, which is disappointing, but it, it it is what it is. Reforms aren't on the table. I, as I was thinking about how we would announce the settlement and, you know, my like frustration and, um, just like, you know, I, I work in Loveland. I, you know, own business here. I have uh, my mother lives here. Like, I just wanted to just show that my commitment to some degree to making that I want this to be a better place. And that has to start with like Tyser's resigning because it's not just like, let's even just say he hasn't been asleep at the wheel the whole time. Right. Um, It's what, what, what the rest of the department needs to see is that accountability is coming. That is, there's going to be consequences for not, you know, treating the your citizens correctly. So I came up with the idea, um, that I would just like put a ransom in a yes. charity format on his <laughs> job. And I announced that <laughs> if he resigned or was fired in the next 30 days, I would donate $50,000 of my own money to any Alzheimer or dementia related charity of Tyser's choosing. And, um, that's, I wanted to make a point. And by the way, I would be that would be, I would never be happier in my life to write that check if he actually did it. Um, but I wanted to just put more impetus, impetus, and pressure to be like, this isn't just like, I'm not just, you know, some traveling attorney coming in like with a video, making a splash and taking some money and running. It's like, I'm not gonna stop until there there's some serious reforms in this police department. And it's and Tyser is the starting, you know, the head of the snake, but there's a lot more going on there. And, and so it's a lot more, it's symbolically important, way more than it, even just whatever he's contributed to this mess. And I'm sure it's plenty, but like, um, the rest of those, the people working there need to just feel that things are changing, that, that there is going to be, there, there will be accountability and level now, uh, and they need to adjust their behavior and, and and be better with the people they're policing and the people that are trusting them to keep us safe.
2: It's so awesome, Sarah. Like any any like, word has he accepted?
0: Uh, has he accepted no. your offer? He okay, has refused
1: my offer. Okay. <laughs> he has but, declined. He immediately <laughs> declined. I I was thinking about buying a billboard by uh, the police station to just say <laughs> resign, chicer and, and say how many days he has left, but there's... <laughs> <laughs> that they're, they're not uh, there's none close to him close enough that it might not be worth it but I, I have looked into it um but you know it's it's kind of like i kind of do it to be funny but it's also like this is just the beginning and I think that the clock is ticking on uh, on that hot mess I mean he he literally he, he declined my offer and he said it's because it's his responsibility to stay and oversee the investigations into his incompetence
2: Wow. Well, Sarah, you have done such exceptional, exceptional work here um, for for Karen and for the whole community of Loveland. Like you really should be applauded. And I mean, I, I know I am very just I'm I'm grateful to to know you, Sarah. And so well, and also, oh,
0: it, it is so same. I mean, we, we podcasted about this. It is so hard hold the police accountable they have a lot of safeguards it's very so very difficult to successfully mount any sort of 1983 or, or, or really any successful lawsuit against the police and so yeah echoing what russ said sarah i'm so grateful that the garner family uh entrusted this uh horrible nightmare to you and uh kudos to you for a job well thank done. you Thanks, and, you
2: and, um, guys, Sarah. Thanks. thanks for coming on. Before we let you go, is there anything you want to pitch, or are you are you good with your your pitches? <laughs> like Loveland <laughs> reform, please.
1: Oh my! You know what a pitch I I could say on that is that because I know a lot of the Loveland Police Department, you know, probably hates me right now. But what I think that view is a little bit myopic, and what I would pitch to um, any of you know those. Police officers, uh, what, a lot of the work I'm trying to do is also for the good police officers, right? And it's until we actually start holding the bad ones accountable and start, you know, being honest about when there's bad patterns of practices or cultures and we are more proactive about rooting out and changing it. The good police officers are going to keep getting grouped in and suffering and maligned with with the bad ones. And I know that's going on a lot in Loveland right now, and I'm in no way ever suggesting that they're all. Bad, But if they keep backing and covering up for the bad ones, then the good ones are going to go down with them. And that's a real tragedy, because I think that we're going to lose a lot of good police officers, the more we keep shielding bad ones from being held accountable.
2: Amen. And that's, that's not just Loveland, that is across Colorado, that is across the country. Absolutely. Yep. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. We, we loved having this chat. We really appreciate it.
1: It was a lot Thanks, of Sarah. fun. Go Bells.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was super fun talking with Sarah, a very interesting case. And thank you again for Sarah for joining us today. But um, let's be honest, Russ, um, I need something right now from you. Can you give me a D? I can give you a D. Can you give me a C? I can give you a C. Can you give me an O-T-W?
2: O-T
0: and an (laughs) (laughs) M-F-W. That's right, everybody. D-C-O-T-W time, dumb criminal of the week. And uh, we're actually not going to the state of Florida uh, this time. Uh. We we are in the United States, but I'll tell you what, Russ, this this is a good one. So here's the setup. Uh, A suspect in Georgia left his good luck behind when he abandoned a winning lottery ticket while fleeing sheriff's deputies. (laughs) Uh, The Cherokee County Sheriff's Office says that a gentleman by the name of Greg Smith had a Georgia lottery scratch game card worth $100 uh, in his car when he ran away from an officer during a traffic stop on an interstate. And, um, you know, he, he, he got away clean, uh, but uh, no, the police not. decided to have a little fun. And on their uh, Facebook page, uh, they, they put up this post. Uh, to the suspect who ran on foot from our deputies on a traffic stop this morning, you left your winning $100 lottery ticket in your vehicle. You can claim your ticket at uh, <laughs> 498 Shatton Drive here in Canton. We will be, uh, it will be here waiting for you. Congratulations, by the way. That's wow. the uh, Facebook post. Well, um, you know, Greg Smith um, <laughs> saw that post apparently. How, how, how could he pass up on that? <laughs> and realized, wow, I forgot I did win that 100 bucks. Uh, so he um, goes and attempts to claim his lottery ticket. Um, he did get his lottery <laughs> got, ticket back. Ticket. But he also got arrested because in addition to finding the lottery ticket, they also found his methamphetamine uh. Uh, that he had with him in his car. And so uh, a police spokesman uh, uh, said jokingly about the matter, uh, you know, as soon as he bonds out of jail, we'll absolutely return that lottery (laughs) ticket to him, but we're going to keep the methamphetamine.
2: Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, (laughs) Well, that just makes for a good time at the precinct on a Friday night.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, you know that they posted this just to have some fun. They're like, ah, right, this guy probably got away. Imagine when the guy showed up. It's, Imagine when Greg actually showed up and said, uh right. I, I, about that lottery ticket. It, it almost sounds made up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it almost sounds too ridiculously stupid to be real.
0: Well, uh, I'll tell you what. We, uh, it's, it's now time to uh, rate this guy uh, on our knucklehead it, schedule. Schedule. Uh, yeah,
2: it's a schedule. <laughs> it's, it's like a, like a bond schedule.
0: Like maybe, maybe a dentist schedule. They say in London is schedule. <laughs> Let's look at the schedule. Um, so I'll go first. I, I'm going to give him four Russ. And I, I only am, I'm, 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 this doesn't get the full five. Cause he did get away from the traffic stop. I, 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 mean, I don't, there's no, I have no info here on whether or not they actually pursued him on foot Or you know, like if he had to like climb a few fences or whatever. But you know, hey, respect to the guy for getting away. Uh, All right. So, but yeah, that's about the only redeeming quality I can get. The rest is about as stupid as it gets, right? Yeah,
2: I'm I'm gonna go ahead and. Again, give him no credit for getting away. This isn't this isn't a fast criminal of the week contest. This is a dumb criminal of the week contest. So while he might be speedy or may be able to leap high fences, um, to go to the police station to recover your one hundred dollar lottery ticket when you're exposed to possession, probably felony possession of a controlled substance, is uh, mind
0: blowing to me. Maybe he could use the, maybe he used the $100 to post his bond.
2: Maybe he used the $100 to post one, one hundredth of his bond. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or, or, or some very small fraction of a defense attorney or, or of his fines and costs. He is losing no matter how you look at this. This is a <laughs> solid five knuckleheads and it cannot be anything else. I, can I change
0: mine? To five? <laughs> yeah, I think you convinced me. I'll, we'll give him the full 10 for us. Well, uh, yeah, that one was fun. People just remember, don't be like Greg, um, let that lottery ticket go and leave the meth at home too. That's maybe sound legal (laughs) advice too. Right. So, uh, that wraps up yet another fun episode of, is this legal Russ? Where can people find us? Can find us on Twitter. Is this legal
2: pod Facebook habits? McAllen. Or just look us look us up online, Hebbits yeah. and uh, shoot us a tweet, a Facebook message, a email, and we're happy to take questions and you know we'd love to hear from
0: you. Absolutely. Well, all have a great day and be safe out there. We'll see you next time on Is This Legal. You've been
1: listening.